sounds like my work is done. <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome to Silver Creek. Uh, great to have you. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, this morning, we are starting... No, wait. We are jumping into... No, we are taking a flying leap into our new series uh, called When Pigs Fly. Now, my guess is most of you know what that saying, When Pigs Fly, means. But, but in case you don't know what When Pigs Fly means, uh, basically just a sarcastic way that people would say uh, if something's not going to happen. So a couple of examples. Let's say you've got a buddy, uh, and he hasn't asked a girl out on a date in years. And he comes to you and he's like, hey, so there's this cute girl and I'm thinking I'm going to ask her out. And uh, the appropriate response is, when pigs fly, right? Because he's probably not going to do it, when pigs fly. Uh, if my kids happen to come up to you at any point and they're like, you are not going to believe this. My dad said we can get a cat. <laughs> when pigs fly. That is like for sure the moment to use when pigs fly. Uh, many years ago, I spent a couple months in Ukraine, and we would have lots of conversations with our translators, and, and during one of those conversations, it got a little silly, and we started talking about different sayings that we have in America, and, and finding the similar saying to the similar meaning in Ukraine, because in Ukraine, what we found out is, I think at one point, I said, hey, when pigs fly, and our translator was like, well, what does that mean? You know, so we kind of broke down, what would pigs fly, and so then they started telling us what their version of when pigs fly is. And so basically, if you were in Ukraine and you were to walk up to somebody and you said something like, uh, hey, this year it looks like the Mariners are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> hey, you know what? If, you, if you're not going to come to church and handle the truth, you shouldn't come to church. Um, I want them to make the playoffs. Anyway, so in Ukraine, if you were to say that, they would say, oh, oh that'll happen when lobsters whistle. So that got me thinking, like, what, what do other countries say? Like, what do other countries say when things aren't going to happen or when you don't think things are going to happen? And I found a ton of them. You can go find them yourself. But I wanted to give you my four favorite When Pigs Fly translations from other countries, okay? So here's what I found. Uh, you can vote for it. We'll, we'll maybe take a little vote when we're done. I don't know. Anyway, in Turkey, when they don't think something is going to happen, what they say is, when the garden's full of ducks holding pastries in their hands... Oh, that'll happen when the garden's full of ducks holding pastries in their hands. All right, all right. Uh, in, in China, in China, what they say, this is really profound. In China, they say, that well, that'll happen when the sun rises in the west. Mm. Uh, if you go to Germany, in Germany, they'll say, oh, that'll happen when dogs bark with their tails. And I know. I don't even think we're going to have to vote because this is totally going to win. In Bulgaria, in Bulgaria, they say, oh, that'll happen when the pig climbs the pear tree wearing yellow slippers. <laughs> it's not very snappy, but you're like, oh, yeah, that will never happen, right? Like the pig climbs the tree in yellow slippers. You know, do you got what's your favorite? Pigs, ducks, ducks. You like the ducks. All right. Well, you guys can work that into your life. Uh, wherever you want. Uh, so in this series, what we're trying to explore and what we're looking at is recognizing that, that we worship and we serve a God that is capable of miracles. That in those moments when we'll be like, ah, that'll happen when pigs fly, we serve a God that specializes in when pigs fly. 
And when pigs fly, that means that, that when God does a miracle, that means he enters into our world. God of the universe enters into our world and intervenes in ways and in situations that we thought would never happen. And unfortunately, way too often, we reduce what miracles actually are. And we've come way too simple until those miracles can be in our life. For example, we might go to the mall and we're driving around and we're looking for a parking spot, right? And the lot is full and we're circling and we're like, I got to get in there. I got to get that Auntie Anne's pretzel. I'm so, you know, whatever. And all the spots are taken. And then miraculously, as you come close, a spot opens up up front and we're like, it's a miracle. It's not a miracle. Some lady just finished up at Claire's at the same time that you were pulling up and now there's a spot. A miracle is when the, when the God of heaven intervenes on earth. When, when the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God of the universe intervenes in our life. That's when a miracle occurs. And I believe that we serve a God that's still in the miracle-working business. Now, if you were to pull into the mall and every spot was taken and there was no place for your car and suddenly all of the cars parted down the middle, that would be God intervening in your life. And I'm guessing that there's a lot of us in this room right now that you would love for God to intervene in your life in a miraculous way. Or there's somebody in your life that you love dearly that you would love to see God intervene in a miraculous way to pull off something that we would typically say, oh, that'll happen when pigs fly. Now, when we look at the Bible, what we find is that there's basically four types of miracles. Actually, five. I'll tell you the first one, and then we'll break down the four. Uh, the greatest miracle, which we're not going to talk about a bunch this morning, but the greatest miracle in the life, in the world, is when an individual discovers the love and grace of Jesus. And when they enter into that relationship, the transformation of our heart, the transformation of our mind, what God does in our lives, that is the greatest miracle of all. Most important decision that we can make and the most important miracle that God can work in our life. Now, outside of that, there's four other general types of miracles that we find in the Bible. And so we're going to use these four types of miracles to kind of guide us over the next couple of weeks and, and really look at what it is that God does and how He enters our world and how He intervenes on our behalf and pulls off the when pigs fly moment. So the first type is miracles of healing. So next week what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the idea of healing and, and recognize that, that God still changes our bodies physically and, and brings healing. And so if you're in the need of physical healing or if you know somebody in need of physical healing, we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to pray for that next week. I think there's a really good chance that out of next week, we're going to see God bring physical healing in some lives. We're also going to look at what God does or why God brings physical healing. We're also going to look at sometimes why God doesn't bring physical healing so we can get a whole grasp on that. But I'm confident that God is still in the miracle healing business. Then the week after that, we're going to look and we're going to consider miracles of protection. That God divinely protects us and maybe even protects us in times where we don't even see it or we don't even think it happened, right? You, you're in a car accident and you crashed your car and you destroyed the front end and you thought, well, pff, God, why didn't you protect me? Well, actually, he did protect you because the car was supposed to flip upside down and you were supposed to die. And we're going to look at protection that God provides. And then in week number four, we're going to wrap up the series and we're going to look at the miracles of provision. And the goal is going to be to take notice and really acknowledge that, that God provides for and God resources our lives. 
and really see some of the incredible ways that God makes sure that you and I have what we need. Today, we are going to look at probably the least talked about miracle or type of miracles. Well, it's the least talked about miracles in the United States anyway. Uh, Other parts of the world deal with this constantly or continually looking at this and wondering about it and dealing with it in very active ways each and every day. So this morning, we're going to focus on the miracles of deliverance. Now, now I realize when you hear the word deliverance, like that brings up some weird thoughts. Like, oh, he's going to talk about demons and dark forces and powers, things that we can't see. That's exactly what we're going to talk about, actually. (laughs) That is exactly if you're like, oh... But before you leave, or before you just check out mentally, like, oh, this sounds weird and creepy. Before you decide in your head right now, "Ah, we don't really need to talk about that. Just hear me out, because here's the reason that we don't want to talk about it, or we don't think we need to, is we just don't really see a whole lot of demonic activity in our world. We don't see it. Like, like there aren't witch doctors and voodoo huts on Highway 99, right? We just got pot shops and bikini baristas. Which, maybe we need to realize what's going on. Nobody's ever come up to me and said, hey, you know what? Uh, I've placed a curse on somebody. I'm really hoping it's going to work this week. Right? Nobody comes up to me and says, hey, I've got a big interview this week, and I'm really hoping some evil spirits, like... We We don't see that enough. And so what happens is, the problem is, because we don't see it, Satan has pulled one of the biggest tricks he pulls is us believing that he's not really at work. That that Satan, our spiritual enemy, convinces us so oftentimes that maybe he doesn't even exist. And one of the greatest lies the enemy tells us and gets us to believe is that he's not actually at work fighting against the kingdom of God. And so we just don't pay attention to it. And we don't think it's an issue. So to get us headed in the right direction and to really build a foundation for this morning, uh, we're going to look at the writings of, a, of an early church leader. His name is Paul, and he was, he was being led by God to write a letter to one of the early churches in Ephesus. Uh, it's on the screen. It's in your message notes. This is what Paul wrote. Paul said, we, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Way too often we think being a follower of Jesus is just skipping through life with our heads in the clouds and the world is perfect and that everything's going to be loving and that if the world was just okay, it would all turn to peace and kindness. But what we have to recognize is we're, we're not just living in a natural world. There's also a spiritual world that we're involved in. And Paul tells us, he's like, listen, you're not just fighting against flesh and blood. Your enemies are not just flesh and blood enemies. What he's saying is that at work, your boss that's really mean, that's not really your enemy. That annoying guy on the bus that you always seem to get on the same bus with, not your enemy. The person that you seem to always get into arguments with on Facebook, not your enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. We have a spiritual enemy that we're in battle with, and we're not battling just flesh and blood enemies. We're battling evil rulers, authorities in an unseen world, mighty powers in a dark world, evil spirits in heavenly places. We are, we are at battle with forces of darkness and demonic beings. 
So let's try to unpack that a little bit because that's a lot to throw at you. Because at first, when we hear that, when we begin to see and hear that we're, we're at war with demonic beings and evil forces, it sounds like we're at a disadvantage. It feels like when we hear that, that, that the evil powers have the upper hand. And more than anything, what I want you to go away with this morning is recognizing that is not true at all. God has all the authority. God ultimately is the greatest power. And if you read to the end, we win. The end is already determined. But along the way, Satan is going to try and inflict as much pain and as much suffering and as much destruction and keep as many people from coming into the side of God as he possibly can. And, and if we ignore that reality and if we decide that it's not something that we should think about, we set ourselves up to get tripped up to experience damage that doesn't have to exist. And there's a lot of research that you can do, and we're, we're just going to be in this for 30 minutes this morning, so really, you could, you know, don't really have time to dive totally deep into this idea of, like, the demonic and of Satan. And so, if you wanted to do more research, you certainly can. Um, theologians that have studied these ideas of, of demons and Satan, they get a lot of what they, what they derive from. They get a lot of it out of Isaiah 14 in the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament, you can go to Revelation 12. Like, there's a lot that pull out of that, and then there's other stories that you can glean. But in Isaiah 14, this is where we find an angel in heaven known as Lucifer. The name Lucifer actually means shining star, son of the morning. So Lucifer, the shining star, son of the morning, he's in heaven with God as an angel. And Lucifer comes to God and he basically says, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to be like you. I'm, I'm going to be as good as you. You know what? I'm actually going to ascend to higher places than you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be and I am as powerful as you are. And God's like, <laughs> no, you're not. No. He doesn't laugh. But he should have, I thought. Anyway, he's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. You're not more powerful than me. You never will be. I am the most powerful being. And if you don't want to admit to that, then you can just pack your bags. And Lucifer's like, I'm out. And so Lucifer goes from being a worshiper of God to a competitor with God. Along the way, Lucifer manages to convince about a third of the angels that he's right. Biblical scholars would, would say that demons are created or are fallen angels that left heaven with Lucifer. Other, other angels that said, oh, oh, I think we can be like you, God. Oh, I think we can be as powerful as you, God. And God's like, if that's what you think, then it's time for you to go. So, so demonology 101, actually even demonology 1, wait, no, this is even 101. Uh, there's one devil, many demons. When an angel is to God, a demon is to the devil. Demons are at work for the spiritual enemy, for the dark realms. Doing everything they can to, to take people away from the kingdom of God to set you and I up for as much destruction as possible along the way. Okay, everybody take a deep breath. Let that out. I'm not sure I've heard you ever be so quiet. Because that's a lot to think about. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And I'm not really even challenging you to like meditate on this concept, but we have to be aware of it. We have to think about it. We have to understand it. We have to recognize that this idea really leads us to, to what I think most people fall in into, and I think most people, we lead to two biggest mistakes in this area. 
I think our two biggest mistakes in this area uh, are all based on really where we come from or, or the culture that we're in or the, the church that we grew up in or kind of maybe what we understand from movies a little bit. But we all sort of fall into one of two categories. And these are really just my opinion based on what I've observed and what I've read and maybe picked up from conversations. But our first big mistake is this, is that we overemphasize demonic influence. Some churches, some cultures, some areas have this tendency to, to overemphasize the influence that, that demonic or that Satan has. It's sort of this idea that, that basically there's a, there's a demon behind every rock or under every rock. There's a, there's a demon behind every tree. That there's a demon living in every cat. That's possible. I don't know. But, um, you know what? Two cat jokes in one morning. It's okay. We're all right. Um, but maybe, maybe you're driving down your car, you're driving in your car, and, and all of a sudden the phone falls off the magnetic holder, and it falls to the car, ground, and you're like, oh no, a demon knocked my phone off. Maybe you just went over the speed bump too fast, right? Like, you know. Somebody's broke, and they're like, well, the devil made me broke. No, you're buying too many clothes, you got new shoes, you have a new iPhone, you drive an expensive car, and you went to the beach on spring break. Like, the devil didn't do that. Contrary to what I want to say, the devil never made me eat the whole pizza. Like, I just, that's my own fault. So sometimes we, we overemphasize the influence, and, and we blame the devil for things that aren't really his. Same time, other groups, other cultures go to the other side of that, and we underemphasize demonic influence. Like, we just don't even pay attention to it. And it's not that everything is caused by the devil, but I think way too often we, we don't think he's involved at all. And we don't recognize that, that there are things that happen in our lives and around our world and in our culture that are caused by forces of darkness. And so out of fear or lack of knowledge or just wanting to ignore it, we just sort of pretend that it's not a reality and that it doesn't exist. I'll be honest, like all week I'm like, this is going to suck. I do not want to preach on this. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to get a better grasp of some of the methods that, that Satan and some of the demons apply to our lives and, and really begin to see how do they function and how do they interact with our world. And my hope is that this morning we leave gaining a better understanding of what, of what demons do and then how we respond to that sort of uncover a little bit of the power of what they actually can do, what it is that we're up against. Not so that we panic more, not that we worry more, not that it paralyzes us more, but so that we truly know how to defend ourselves, so that we truly know what it is that we can embrace from what God provides us, and ultimately the miraculous power that we have over darkness. I really want you to leave this morning with a, with a greater knowledge that there is no force stronger or more clever or has more authority than Jesus. So let me just give you three thoughts on sort of, sort of the primary things that demons do to impact our lives and then kind of break those down and, and go with it. You could probably divide these up into more, but I'll just give you three. And These are kind of the details of things that we do. And, and just an overview, again, a view, overview of this, and really hopefully out of this we'll see where God can bring some deliverance in our lives. So here's the first one. Uh, first thing that demons tend to do is they just tend to tempt you to sin. 
couple weeks back, we, did, we were in a series called Conquering Giants, and we talked about conquering the giant of temptation. And what we said in that is that God will never tempt us. God will never do anything to distract and take us away from his love. He wants us to have great success. And so in exactly the opposite way, Satan, his demons, are going to do anything they can to tempt us away from the will of God. Anything they can that will just sort of draw us towards sin and lead us towards destruction, create pain in our lives. The, the devil just wants to create temptations and traps that lead you and I away from God. And, and, and Satan is going to use his demons to communicate to you whatever they need to to get us to make those steps. They want to convince us using lies and whispers. Go ahead. You deserve it. Go ahead. Just, just watch it. Just, just touch it. Just smoke it. I, I don't know really how they talk, but... You know, like, oh, you, you deserve that. My guess is that demons don't typically yell at us. They just lure us in lightly. And what's crazy is, is on the front side of sin, before we get in there, what a demon wants to do is they're going to minimize sin as much as possible on the front side. That's where we get the things like, well, everybody does it. It's not a big deal. You know, it's nobody's business how you live your life. Really, by doing that, you're not hurting anybody. You're not hurting, just... And then the moment we sin, the moment we step into that, no longer do they minimize it, they maximize it. God will never love you again. <laughs> oh, jeez. God, God can't use you now. That's, you're too much of a joke. You have ruined your life. By some form or fashion, it wants to communicate us and tempt us and lay traps and drag us away and then pile it on. And demons want to make those options look so good and draw us and take us away and ultimately just prevent us from following the lead of Jesus. And the great news is, is you and I, we don't have to give in to that temptation. We actually can lean into the strength of Jesus and say, would you help me escape that? Would you help me get away from that? And I would say, go back and listen to that message that we just talked about a couple of weeks ago and hear what it is that God is doing to help us conquer that giant. Because ultimately, we can escape it. We can overcome it. It can be when pigs fly. We don't have to fall into that temptation. In fact, there was a letter that was written to a young pastor in, named Timothy. It said this. It said, They will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. See, the devil just wants to trip us up and pull us away from God's plan. And what that means is we just need to come to our senses and realize that, that Satan is... No desire to do anything good in your life. His greatest desire is to destroy what God cares about most, and you are what God cares about most. Never has Satan ever wanted anything good for your life. Jesus wants to take you captive through his love and his grace, and Satan wants to take you captive through tricks and traps and temptations. So just choose not to buy into the lies. And if we can't get us to buy into the lies, that leads us to the next thing of what demons tend to do, is that demons want to distract you from God's will. See, if a demon can't get you to mess up and trip up, then he's just as happy to call you away and drag you away from what God has called you to do. Because if we're distracted, if our focus is not on ideas and thoughts of what God wants us to do, then, then in Satan's mind, that's a win. 
I don't have to destroy you, but if you're not doing what God wants, yeah, okay. And if you just take a distraction and pile it on top of a distraction and pile it on top of a distraction, it doesn't take very long before these distractions just suddenly have us way off course. Back to the letter that was written to, or another letter that was written to this young pastor. It says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon their faith and follow the deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That doesn't happen overnight. And it may have happened to somebody that you know. And unfortunately, it may have happened to some of us. Where there was a time where you were walking with God. And then some deceiving spirits started to lead you away from, from a purity of the gospel of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in your life. And, and false doctrines started to sort of speak into what you believe. It's really common today for us to think, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe, just, just believe something with all your heart. To just feel like, well, all roads will get me to God, and you know, just, you just take what works. And so we'll just grab a little Buddhism from over here and a little Christianity and I like some of this new age business and I know witchcraft is bad but that'll, I think I'll pull that in and we just mix it all together and come up with what makes sense to us and, and just feel like as long as I'm sincere and believe it'll work but suddenly this faith that was pure gets distracted and taken away by, by voices and ideas that are planted in our heads or in our minds and in our world through demonic teaching Last thought on what demons do is this, is that demons just want to inflict suffering. There's this tragically sad story about a father and a son, and the son has been physically afflicted by these demons, and he's doing all kinds of horrible things to this kid, and the dad can't seem to find any answers. And eventually, in the book of Matthew, we find that the son and the dad, they find Jesus. And here's what it happens in Matthew 17, 15. It says this, the father says, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water, all being caused by a demon. And Jesus replied, bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. This demon is somehow inflicting this boy physically, suffering all kinds of pain. And at the same time, this father is being afflicted by all kinds of emotional pain. And in one moment, Jesus just speaks, and it's gone. In a moment, miraculously delivered from the suffering. And what we know about Jesus is that he came to give us life abundantly. We know that Jesus came to set the captives free. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. We know that he came not for the healthy, but he came for the sick. He didn't just come for those that proclaim to be righteous. He came for sinners to set us free. It's very clear in John's account of Jesus' life that, that that's why Jesus came, that he came to give us life. And, and the exact opposite is true of Satan. His mission is to steal and kill and destroy and inflict as much pain and as much misery as he can along the way. Honestly, he wants to destroy your marriage. Satan wants to ruin your story with Jesus, your testimony. He wants to wreck your finances. He wants to steal your joys. He wants to obliterate your health. That's what he wants to do. He wants to crush your children. It's not a game. It's not a little red guy with horns and a pitchfork sitting on your shoulder. The forces of darkness hate God. 
They hate the kingdom of light. His mission is to use every demonic power he possibly can to again hurt what matters most to the heart of God and what matters to the most of heart, God's heart is you. So now that we're all creeped out and wondering, like, why didn't I stay home and pull weeds today? <laughs> you know, popping up, I should have. Just need to recognize that we're in a spiritual battle. And more than anything, we don't have to be afraid. Just have to be alert. Have to be alert. Satan knows he loses in the end. So he's just trying to do as much damage as he can before he gets there. And if we decide to bury our head in the sand, it doesn't go away. In fact, when, when we bury our head in the sand and just pretend it isn't there, what's left? What's exposed when we put our head in the sand? What's going to get kicked? Yeah. Thanks for filling it in there. Um, so let me just give you a big thought that's available to anyone that chooses the... If you've chosen to be transformed by the grace of Jesus, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, if you're following Him, if that's true of you, then you have a miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. If you are in Christ, if you are following Him, you have miraculous authority over darkness, over Satan, over demons, and it's all based on the name of Jesus. We are in a fight, we are in a battle, and what we need to understand is that we're not fighting on our own power or in our own power. Honestly, if I'm fighting Satan on my own, I will lose. You will lose. But we are fighting through the power of Jesus Christ. Matthew 10, 1 says this. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He just deputized them. And you and I have been deputized. And we have authority. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is and because of what he's done. You and I get the opportunity to claim the power that Jesus offers over evil. And evil will respond not because of who we are or anything that we've done. Evil will respond when we say, you know what, in the name of Jesus, you lose. Stop. And I'm uh, honestly, that sounds so weird. Sometimes it's so difficult to remember because we're really just trying to get through our day, right? Like trying to pay our bills and get the dishes done and get to work and, and deal with everything that we've got going on and trying to keep the kids alive and all. We're just trying to get through the day, right? It's so easy sometimes not to recognize that there's, there's forces of darkness that are trying to inflict division in your relationships and forces that are, that are trying to destroy the people you care about most. So let's just take two thoughts from today. And the first one is this. First thought is, don't assume that every problem is a result of demonic influence. Okay? So sometimes we just, we just do something wrong. Not even sin. We just did it wrong. We didn't do what was right. That causes problems. We, we live in a painful world. Not everything that happens is the result of a demonic influence. Because things break, and they wear out, and we miss deadlines, and some people forget what they said they were going to do, and like all... So every problem isn't from the devil. But at the same time, don't assume any problem isn't a result of demonic influence. Just don't assume, if there's something happens, don't assume the problem is from the devil, and don't necessarily assume it isn't. But anytime you face a problem, anytime you face a battle, anytime you face temptation, or something that life creates, or there's a trial, or there's a mountain that you've got to deal with, here's what I want to encourage you to do. First, do the thing that makes sense. 
Like, do the thing that's wise. Sort of respond to it as you think you should. Do what's right in front of you. And in that process of making, the, making what would make sense and what, doing the wise thing, in that process, pray like crazy for the supernatural intervention of Jesus Christ. Do what makes sense. Do what's wise. And then pray like crazy that Jesus will intervene, that the power of who he is will interact in your life and in that situation so powerfully that even in a situation where we're like, well, maybe when pigs fly. Listen to this verse. This is what we started off with, and then I added some more to it, how it follows up. It says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. <gasps> Therefore... That's a great thing. Therefore, it's amazing. Because that is the reality, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. When you face an obstacle, when you get attacked, when there's a trial, when there's a hardship, don't just assume it's the enemy. Don't just assume it's not. But whatever it is, face it with this idea. I'm going to do what I know I should, and I'm going to pray like crazy for God to intervene and for God to take his authority and his power and if there is something demonic to run it off so maybe you're battling something like take a something from my own life anxiety depression panic attacks in my life that was my reality and so my recommendation for you is go find a great doctor connect with a counselor if they prescribe medication do it Put on every possible armor and then pray in the name of Jesus. Invite Jesus to bring freedom and healing in that process. Because again, I'm not saying it's a demonic process, but I'm not saying it's not. If your child's just rebelling and wigging out, be a wise parent. Take away their phone. Oh, they'll live. Watch behavior begin to be changed as you as you proactively parent and monitor friends take the steps that you need to take and then pray like crazy that god would protect them from the spiritual lives that are bombarding them every single day so so do what's natural and then ask god for the supernatural do what makes sense do what's the right thing and then call on the supernatural power of god and the incredible news is that in the end we get to stand firm of the knowledge that we win that God has already demonstrated his power over darkness and death when he raised Jesus back from the dead. We win. There's power in that, so we cling to that and we stand firm that when we face evil, when we face demonic forces, that God is always bigger, he's always stronger, he's always more powerful, he's always more faithful. Cling to that truth. Call on his strength and be ready to follow as he leads and directs. Every week in your program, we put these green connect cards and just challenge you to think through what it is that Jesus wants you to do based on what you've heard this morning. So maybe for you, your next step is just to begin to evaluate. Do you tend to overestimate or do you tend to underestimate demonic influence? Maybe you just need to acknowledge the situation that you're facing right now where maybe there's some unseen needs that need to be addressed in prayer. Maybe you've just been trying to do it on your own. Don't. Invite the power of Jesus to be real in that. Maybe your next step is to realize that demonic powers want to have a negative impact in your life. Maybe your next step is to believe and grasp that Jesus has power and authority 
over everything. Whatever it is, I just encourage you to respond to what Jesus is calling you to. Band's going to come and play one last song, uh, but don't miss this opportunity. Let's pray. God, this morning, I would just ask that if there's something going on in anybody's life where, where there's demonic influence and power, God, we just pray right now that in your powerful, miraculous name that you would just chase that away, that that would no longer be a reality for them and that they would continue to come to you again and again and ask for your supernatural power to be in their life to guide them and to lead them and to chase away whatever influence is being brought by the forces of darkness. God, help us to recognize how much you love us and how much you want to walk us through whatever it is that we're dealing with. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.